Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Because by doing this every seven years, six years doing things, you know, planting the, the, the tilling the ground, etc. And then the seventh year was a, a year of, of letting the land be fallow. These kind of things were implementing. God was training them so that when the, the Jubilee came, they were already aware of this concept. And they were already denying themselves and, and, and being careful and being thankful and giving to others, giving to the poor. They were, it was baked into their mind baked into their life. God instructs the nation of Israel how to be a disciplined nation. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio for today. Pastor Rob continues his analysis of God's instructions to the nation of Israel and how they should learn to cancel debts of their brothers and be generous to the poor. God promised his people that if they followed all the commands of these instructions, he would bless them to be givers instead of borrowers. This same promise holds true for us today. If we are born again and walk obedient to what God commands us, we too will be blessed beyond measure. Let's listen to Pastor Rob with today's message. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. And this is the form of the release. Every creditor shall release it. He shall not require of it of his neighbor or his brother. Now, these are Jews he's talking to, right? For if it's your neighbor, a Jew, or if it's your brother, don't um, uh, then then you need to release it because it is called the Lord's release. Now notice, of a foreigner you may require it. So if if, uh, if a Gentile has a a debt to give to a Jew, you know he can pay for it. You know for twelve years, and that's okay. But to a Jew, to Jew, God says, I don't want you guys to do that. I don't want you guys getting stuck in being overtaxed and overburdened by debts. I want you guys to thrive. I want you to live, and I want you to forgive one another. And I tell you, there's something about these things that God put the Jews through that if we adhered to them in our country, we'd probably be a whole lot better for it in many ways. We'd learn sacrifice. We'd learn stewardship. We would learn forgiveness. And we probably wouldn't be as greedy and self-focused because we're God is forcing them really to give, isn't he? He's encouraging them to give, even commanding it here, right? So he says, but you shall not give, but you shall give up your claim to what is owed by your brother, except when there may be no poor among you. For the Lord will greatly bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess as an inheritance, only if you care, carefully obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe with care all these commandments which I command you today. For the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. 
You shall lend to many nations, notice this, but you shall not borrow, speaking to the Jewish people. You shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. Right? God is setting them up as his own special people. He's setting them up to be an example. Let's go back to verse 1. It says, At the end of every seven years you shall grant a release of debts. You know, in the United States, there is a public service loan forgiveness program for those who have student loans. And this is kind of funny because uh, it was just, I don't know, it was uh, about eight, how long ago was it? Seven years ago, I just paid off my student loan debt, and it took me quite a while to do it, my wife and I. And, uh, but this, 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 this debt program, I wonder if they get these ideas from the Bible because one of the things about this program is you can be give, forgiven your student loan debt after you have made 120 payments or have been paying for 10 years and also employed by a certain um, agency, whether it's a nonprofit or something like that. There's guidelines for those kinds of things. But even in our student loan debt, you know, you know there's provision for this even in our own country. And, and I wonder if whoever put this together was thinking about, or, or, or maybe our forefathers, somebody was thinking about that. And, and the idea is it's not good for somebody to be taxed by something so huge for so long a time. It just breaks the heart. You know, obviously you have to be a good steward and not over-exact yourself because if you're not able to pay for it, you shouldn't be doing it, right? But there comes a point when you've been faithful in over 120 years, thank God there's that grace in this country, you've been paying for 10 years and you've made 120 payments and you fulfill a couple other requirements, you can be forgiven the rest of your student loan debt. Wow. That's really great for lawyers and doctors. <laughs> but, so anyway, God is making this provision, and again, he wants his people to prosper. Because if they are taxed and overladen with debt and things of that nature, God is saying, will you, will you just give a release give a release. And obviously when you appropriate something like this or put this into place, you've got to think differently. And if you're taking out a loan, you want to be thinking differently. And if you're a lender, you want to be thinking about this kind of thing because you know that at the end of seven years, whatever's left, if he's a Hebrew, if he's a Jew and you're a Jew, you're required to, to, to forgive that debt. So you've got to be thinking about that, right? But it does. It requires thinking. It requires sacrifice. It requires living perhaps a little more frugally, a little more carefully. Notice verse 2, and this is the form of the release. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not require it of his neighbor or his brother because it is called the Lord's release. Of a foreigner you may require it, but you shall give up your claim to what is owed by your brother. And I love this because the Lord, again, desired that they would be the head and not the tail. Does that make sense? God desired that his people would be the head and not the tail. The one that's in the forefront, the one that's leading, not the tail that's behind. And, you know, you've heard of the phrase, the tail wagging the dog. That's when something that is so small and insignificant, because it's gotten so much press, that all of a sudden it's wagging everything else. This small, insignificant little issue has been blown up so out of proportion that now this is dictating our culture. That's the tail wagging the dog. And God says, I want you, Israel, to be the head and not the tail. This is what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And in, in, in the blessings that God wanted to, to pour out upon them, he says, It shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, 
that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Notice that. He's going to make them the head. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise, who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you by one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and all to which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if, notice the conditional statement, God's blessing for the, the nation of Israel were always conditional promises, many of them. This is one of them. Whenever you see, I'm going to do this, if you do this, they're conditional statements. If you do this, I will do this. God has made many unconditional promises to Israel and to the church, ones that don't, don't require us to do anything but just believe by faith, and other ones like this is, if you do these things, then I will do my end. Right? So he says, The Lord, verse 9, will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And then all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give you rain in your land in its season, to bless all the works of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, and you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. He will make you the head and not the tail. So God's Design is to make them the head and not the tail, to give them the things that they need, to not allow themselves to oppress each other, and to give them the things that they need. And in the process of that, a lot of lessons are learned. Let's go back to verse 3 of chapter 15 of Deuteronomy. It says, Of a foreigner you may require it, but you shall give up your claim to what is owed by your brother, except when their baby may be no poor among you. For the Lord will greatly bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance. You know, and I wonder, you know, the Lord would do that for us too if we would listen and take heed to some of these things. But notice, it seems that as long as there were poor people in the land of Israel, that at least Jew to Jew, they would forgive the debt, whatever was owed after seven years. And this would actually prepare them for the Jubilee, if you think of it. Because by doing this every seven years, six years doing things, you know, planting the, the, the tilling the ground, etc. And then the seventh year was a, a year of, of letting the land be fallow. These kind of things were implementing. God was training them so that when the, the Jubilee came, they were already aware of this concept. And they were already denying themselves and, and, and being careful and being thankful and giving to others, giving to the poor. They were, it was baked into their mind baked into their life. Verse 5, only if you carefully obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe with, with care. Notice all these commandments which I command you today. Notice the condition again, only if, only if you do these things. For the Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance, only if. The condition. Verse 6, it says, for the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. 
You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. You know, the, the nation of Israel is a leading exporter of flowers and of fruit. You know, when we were there in 2005 and in 2010, I, each time I went, I couldn't believe how, how much fruit was in this land, how many fields were blooming with flowers and fruit fields. I mean, it's, it's abundant. I mean, they're selling flowers to Holland. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're very fruitful. They've got this irrigation, this agriculture. They've got it down so much so that even they're even helping out people in Muslim countries. You know, as they're struggling to do their farms, a lot of the Jews are telling them, telling them their secrets. This is how you do it. This is what you do. This is how you furrow the ground. This is what you do to bring water into, the, into those furrowed you know, paths and, and, and that whole thing. They know it very well. God's making them the head and not the tail. And one of, one of the things I love about Israel is wherever the Jewish people are, you can always tell because they take care of their land and they take care of their possessions. They're very clean people, which you've heard me say this last week when we were talking about the, the dietary laws, that one of the reasons why the bubonic plague didn't affect them in the, in, the middle, or in the Middle Ages was because of their diet and their cleanliness. They took care of themselves. And as a result, they weren't victims as much as others were. Their sanitation services and their sanitation methods were much farther advanced than others. And as a result of that, they lived. Let's look at verse 7. Generosity to the poor. It says, If there is ever among you a poor man of, the, of your brethren within any of your gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficiently for his need. Underline the word need. (laughs) Lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Underline that again. Notice it doesn't say supply to him all his wants. Supply to him all his needs. Isn't that what Jesus promised to give us? The things that we need. The very things that we need. Do we always get the things that we want? Not always. But he promised to give us the things that we need. And for those things, to be content with those things. And it doesn't mean, though, that they were to enable a man who just doesn't want to work, right? There are plenty of reasons why people are poor, and it's not just because they're lazy. In Second Thessalonians chapter 3, in verse 10, it says, For even when we were with you, Paul commending them, he says, We commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. You know, there was a a reason why these people were poor in the land. And there's a reason why we have poor in our land too. Sometimes you may have have a, a, a disease. You may have something wrong with you physically where you can't produce and you can't be as perhaps useful as others who have all of their faculties. You may have uh, spinal bifida. You may have uh, a chronic pain that the doctors can't explain, and you can't do your job because every time you get on your foot, a searing pain goes right up through the center of you, and it creates mortal agony. You're in mortal agony as a result. There are many reasons why someone can't work. And so God is saying, for those poor people in your land, whatever reason that they are poor, and the Jews would be able to know who these men are, are they, is it just because they don't want to work? Well, then you need to encourage him to get 
off his couch and work, right? For if a man does not work, he shouldn't eat, right? That's true, but some people can't, and those people, it's okay. You know, thank God we we have Social Security and other things and benefits, employment benefits in our country. When somebody's in really in desperate need, there's 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 systems in place for that. And that's what God was doing way back here. And so the Jews would have to be discerning in this. And I'll never forget when I first came up to Rochester, I came up to the Eastman School of Music. In fact, that's where Lydia... uh, Deb's daughter is going to be auditioning tomorrow at, at Eastman School of Music. And so if you think of her in the morning, pray for her, would you? And uh, just that she would just do a smash-up job and that she would just do great and she'd be comfortable and just that the Lord would open the doors of heaven if it be his will. If it be his will. Just, Lord, everything that you want to do, do it in a big way. Flood her life. Flood this whole thing. If it's your will, then do miracles. And if it's not, Lord, steer her somewhere else. But if it is your will, Lord, open the door and pour it out. Pour it out big time. So let's pray for that tomorrow, amen? Just that God's will would be done, right? But notice in Leviticus, again, 25. Let me just read it to you because you're in Deuteronomy now. But in verse 35 of Leviticus 25, it says this, If one of your brethren becomes poor and falls into poverty among you, then you shall help him like a stranger or a sojourner that he may live with you. Notice, take no usury or interest from him. Don't lend him something and say, well, I want 10% later. He's saying between Jews, don't do that. Just give it to him and and, and let him pay you uh, back if he does it all. He says, you shall not lend him your money for usury. In other words, you can't do it with interest. Nor lend him your food at a profit. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. I love that. It really forces you. It really challenges you, doesn't it? Because, you know, there's a lot of people. When I, and my point in that whole thing of bringing Lydia up is because when I first came up to Rochester in 1994, I was newly saved, a brand-new Christian, and I was very gullible. My heart was on my sleeve, and my heart was wide open. <laughs> and I'd never been in a city before. I, I grew up on an island in southwest Florida. I mean, I was, you know, chasing rattlesnakes and running around with no shoes on in the, in the, in the jungle, you know. I mean, that's what, what I grew up doing. And now I'm in a city and born again, heart on my sleeve, heart wide open, and, boy, I was a magnet for every person Every homeless person came up to me. It's almost like I had a neon sign, gullible Christian, gullible Christian. And they would hit me up for money day and night, day and night. And I was giving it a dollar here, a dollar there, five dollars. Finally, the Lord wised me up and, uh, because they were hitting me up for money. But what they were using that money for was not for food. There's soup kitchens all over Rochester. And the Lord told me one day, he says, he gave me the wisdom on the spot. There's one guy, his name was Isaiah. He came up to me. He said, you know, could you, you know, give me some food? You know, I'm really hungry. And I said, uh, or can you give me some money? I'm really hungry. And I said, you know, why don't you wait here? And I'll go up to my apartment just behind me. I'll just go up and make you a couple of sandwiches and some chips and bring down a Coke and I'll give that to you, you know. And he's like, well, I don't want to bother you. You know, if you could just, you know, give me the money. I'll just go down to McDonald's and take care of that. And, and I said, no. I said, I'm in no hurry. Let me go do it, right? I'll be right back. And he goes, no, you just, you know, just give me the money. I said, listen. I said, I'll, I'll be glad to go up and do it. And finally, he says, you know, no. And I said, you're not that hungry. You're not that hungry. And the Lord just told me to walk away 
because he wasn't asking me for money for something to eat because if he was really hungry, he would gladly take me up on the fresh two sandwiches that I was going to give him and the chips and the Coke. He would have gladly have taken it, but he was an alcoholic. He was using it for drugs and alcohol. Wisen me up, right? So it's hard in this environment sometimes to know you've got to be led by the Spirit whenever you're giving to a poor person. Am I enabling this person to continue what they're doing? Think about it. If you really want to help them, if they really did run out of gas, take their, follow them down to the gas station and physically pay for the gas that you put in their car. And is it really full? Or is it really empty? You know, be assertive and be wise, right? Because helping somebody is good, but you want to help them the right way. You really want to help them. You don't want to enable them and continue them going on in that whole thing. He said, verse 9, Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. You know, basically, by saying this, it would be an excuse for them to not lend to him because he would also benefit in the year of release, right? The thought is, why lend to him when, when he shall be delivered from the debt in a few months or a few weeks? It's easy to harden our hearts against something, somebody like that. And this was happening too, and God was warning against it. Verse 10, it says, You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because of this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all of your works and in all to which you put your hand. Notice that. If you just do these things, I'm going to bless you. It requires faith, doesn't it? Because if you're a giver, God is going to supply your need. It's not this funny business that we see on television with these televangelists saying, well, if you give a seed gift of $10,000 and you write that right check right now, God's going to give you $100,000 this week. This week. Amen. <laughs> right? I mean, can God do that? Sure, he can. Right? He can. But you have to be discerning. Give in the right way. Be spirit-led in your giving. Think about what you're doing. Pray about what you're doing. Don't just give to give because sometimes you giving can actually create more problems for somebody than being a real blessing. You've got to be discerning about how you give and what you give. Amen? In Acts chapter 20, as Paul was talking to the Ephesian elders before his departure, he says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And it's hard sometimes to receive. We were just talking about this uh, uh, recently with someone, and, and I, um, you know, it is, it's hard sometimes. To receive. It's, it's easier to give. But you know, you have to be on the receiving end too for someone else to be blessed. Because if you always stop the dam in front of you and say, I will not receive, I'm too proud to receive anything, but I'll gladly give, God is saying you're, you're half wrong. Because <laughs> you need to be able to do both graciously. And I tell you what, there's nothing more powerful than to see a Christian, whoever, any of us, that can give Simply, and we can receive simply. And I'm learning that lesson still. But it's important that we do that. Gladly give, gladly receive. Not, not, for, not for any weirdness, just because, you know, like, that person gets blessed. I get blessed. Do you see how that is just reciprocal? Isn't that the way the Lord is? He has everything. He gives to us, and all we have to do is respond 
to him. That's what worship is. It's responding to what he's already done for us. I can't do anything for him. He's given me everything. Always has and always will. And yet he gets blessed when I simply respond in faith and say, Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcasts. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been... Truth in Christ.